0: This week's episode is coming right up, but first, just take a minute to listen to a message from our friends at Hammer of the Gods.
1: This is Dungeon Master Rick here with Hammer of the Gods. Do you enjoy socially awkward bards?
2: I pull out 50 gold and I put it in the guard's hand and say, can I go see the snakes now?
1: Dungeons and Dragons and mildly inappropriate humor.
3: Haha. looks <laughs> like Daniel's <laughs> our new DM. Hi daddy. Did you just call me daddy i've been here for 10 seconds and we're already jumping straight to daddy all right and epic fantasy
1: combined with alternate history and a splash of greek and other ancient mythologies thrown in for flavor
3: why do the other olympians Arthur. avoid dionysus don't know why. because all he does is wine
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Ooh, I, i'm praying to daddy <laughs> so now.
1: then you'll love hammer the gods you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and if you really enjoy our show You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hampod, that's H-A-M-M-P-O-D. George of the Oren here. Look, the network has asked me to step in and speak to y'all in defense of Artash and the House of Convalescence. And I understand. I really do. Zebulon was a treasure friend of mine and a true luminary of the Citadel. I know, I know Artash refusal to step in and resurrect him seems callous. I get it. This is a matter that comes up each and every time we lose such a figure in our worlds. But I understand the other side too. The House of Convalescence is a gift to us all. A bastion of healing on the Citadel, run by Aytash's celestial followers. In the Sunweaver's name, they use the innate magic of the Aurora Diamond to treat the wounded and heal the sick that pass through. But such healing is far less impactful on our worlds than the ability to bring back the dead. Atasha has said many times that such resurrections are not in the Sunweaver's plan. That they strip all meaning from death. It would be a focal point for corruption in our society. This is why this power is used solely for criminals that die before they can serve their just sentences. There are rare stories of resurrections, like that of Armin Rasul, But these are simply outliers to this rule. We must trust they all have a place in Antosh's plan. All right, no one talked. Let's banter. No one talks. I'm starting us off. Jeremy, did you know that me and Stephen once co-wrote a war novel? No, nope. cut, cut his mic. A war novel. A military
3: novel. Wait, wait say, that. say that one more time. Cut the mic. Cut the mic.
1: <laughs> no, no. You can't silence me. You cut mine. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on. So Stephen and I once co-wrote. A military novel was called MIA. Missing in action. <laughs> we were uh, babies. It was we were babies. It was amazing. It was excellent. There were there were wolves with bombs in their chests in a cave exploding. There
3: was some other shit Steven wrote that wasn't as cool. Why Steven, why are you embarrassed <laughs> about this? This sounds incredible. Oh, dude, it's... This sounds wonderful. He
1: found it a few years ago. He found it and he threw it away. I, huh? I don't
3: I don't know that Wait, I actually you threw it. Said, no. He no, said it was, he threw no. it away because
1: it was too embarrassing you to ever that. see the light. I, you of I, saved that stuff. I don't
0: think I would have actually thrown it away. It was so long ago that I found it that I don't even remember what I did with
1: it. I have so many old, old story manuscripts. Like I had a uh, uh in fourth grade I wrote Evil Mutant Giant Spires that tried to take over the world. which Steven was a character.
3: Oh, that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it it was me and all my school friends and some spiders, the giant spiders came over and they were taking over the world. And uh, I think like, <laughs> I think it opened up with, with a sleepover when everyone woke up, it was just like me and my friends that woke up in my house and we went downstairs and the news was on and there were no newscasters, just like a blurb on the bottom listing, like the names of all the people in the world who are missing, which was literally everyone in the world, except for like my group of friends for some reason. <laughs> and then we raided a the military base and I got some nunchucks, we fucked up some spiders. It was a good time. It's a good time. So uh I am
3: I'm I'm suddenly very very sad now. We, that I'm not going to get to read any of this.
1: I will show I'll give it to you. <gasps> Dude, I I have, I am shameless. I my all my garbage shit from my past. Yes, I have please. I have all in folders.
0: We uh Yes, please. I like Steven. <laughs> <laughs> we we obviously went to school in a very rural area. If if oh, anybody yeah. had bothered to tell us about D&D at that age, we would have gone wild. We had to make our own entertainment though.
1: I mean, I would never have be been able to survive it because I was of the generation where it's like, Ooh, Harry Potter. That's uh that's devil.
0: Yeah. But you read You're Harry Potter. You, Harry Potter.
1: I, I lost them for a couple of years. Jesus. And they, gave, they got them back when yeah. they when weren't were, devil anymore.
0: When you were old enough. <laughs> so yeah, we wrote, um, weird and horrible stories and drew weird and horrible <laughs> comics and
1: snake world all the way snake
0: world. Yeah.
1: Ah, good times. Comic
0: about snakes. You know why? Snakes are kind of easy
3: to draw.
1: They're really easy to
0: draw.
3: Yeah. yeah. All I did was play dinosaurs.
1: I love dinosaurs.
3: Yeah. Big oh, dinosaur
1: yeah. kid over here. Give me a high five, dinosaur kids. Unite. Hell yeah. Dude, I remember, I'm just remembering now that like, in our old snake comic, like, I think we designed the two main characters, and there was Rex, your snake, and he was like, the super cool, action, brave, heroic snake, mm-hmm. and then I had my snake, and he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Your snake
0: snake was like...
1: He was just scared and cried all the time. He was like Scooby-Doo, but less cool and funny. (laughs) It was the worst.
0: He was always afraid.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my inner self. All right. Well, this this has been fun. I'm feeling energized and less Uh sad. (laughs) Oh, David. Guess I'll play some Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, I'll play. Yeah, I'll play. All All right. All right. All right. All right then let's set a scene, but not the scene we left off at because uh, I'm doing weird shit this arc. And uh, hey, if you guys love, you know, switching the the sort of point of view constantly between two different parties to see different adventures that are sort of interconnected but separate, you're going to love this arc. If you don't love that, I'm sorry. (laughs) Your, Your lack of love is valid, but I'm having a lot of fun, so I can't stop now. Let's move into the desert. Let's move into the borderlands. Ooh. I like that.
0: I like mm, that. It's good. It's a good one. It's a good twang.
1: Good old twang. We're panning away from San Setian City, away from those walls and across to the northeastern borderlands. We're going to follow a set, a single set of tracks moving to the northeast. A set of hoofprints galloping until suddenly they are not hoofprints anymore. Three distinct humanoid tracks. Taking their place. We follow these for a short ways. And we see our three heroes on their journey to Milpazul, to the collection of bounty hunters that await, potential answers about the missing half orc child. We see Jules La Roche, Crispin Dubois, and Dance Macabre. Now, Stephen, you had a little something you wanted to do to set things off.
0: Correct. Yeah. Oh, this is something I thought about the last time we recorded. Didn't really get the opportunity to do it. So we'll do it now. So Crispin falls out of his wild shape um, after an hour of being a horse. And uh, once everything gets settled in, I imagine it's kind of jarring to go from riding one of your friends on (laughs) horseback to, to not anymore
1: how do you like <laughs> signal like you stop like I like, want yeah, to change
0: yeah. get off get off no 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 wait so I imagine that there's a, a short period of time where they're trying to get re-established and Crispin maybe picks his bag back up and he's ready to start walking he goes wait wait that over there that's that's some yarrow hold on I need to he goes over and he grabs this this herb off the desert floor and he pulls a couple of things out of his bag and he, and he steeps a, a tea really quick.
1: This is literally Stephen if you ever hike with him. <laughs> he'll just be enjoying the day and he'll be like, wait, is that Yarrow? And just run off the trail half a mile and like, all right, see you later, Stephen.
0: So Crispin sets about making this uh, quick little tea and what he's actually doing is he's casting augury as a ritual casting Oh. So he takes the 10 minutes, he steeps his tea, tosses it back real fast.
1: If I can, I want to end the scene with this, with the results of your augury. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. For dramatic tension and whatnot. I want to take the moment that you're taking 10 minutes to do this, and I want to use that narratively to shift focus to jewels and dance. Because this is a period of time where you guys are stopped. Crispin's doing something, um, preparing a a, a spell. And it seems like a time for catching up. As you prepare your ritual, we zoom over where Dance and Jules await quietly. And Jules, you've been on the trail for a short while now. Maybe it's been been one hour, actually, a little over an hour. We'll say like maybe an hour 15. You've made some good headway on horseback but your wound is still fresh. What is... What does Jules look like in this moment? You have a new goal in mind, but where are you at mentally?
3: Hang on, I'm going to need a second. Yeah, that's fine. I haven't thought this far ahead. No, Jules is asleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, just, he just passes out. The like second you get off Jules the is, Jules
3: is asleep. Yeah. yeah, come back to me later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he is... His mind is a rage-focused... Solely on Miskin, Uh, but it's the kind that he he knows that behind it all is still grief that he knows he'll have to go through the stages of at some point. But for now, his focus on Miskin, while it's wholly important, is also a a a bit of a pacifier.
1: Hell yeah! that
3: That makes sense. That
1: makes so much sense. I love that. So maybe you're just standing there in the midst of the desert and dances by your side. And there is this, just this quiet between you until she finally steps up to you.
4: I had been looking forward to meeting you again, Jules. I've heard a lot about you from the refugees of Cerule. (laughs) You were like Mateo. He liked to act a brute, but he was actually very kind sweet he was not content with only saving lives he wanted to make people smile and they say your people say you are much the same
3: i don't know about all that i'm just doing what's right
4: sebelon's death it was a heavy loss i i know i understand i just hope that we have not lost that jews laroche i have heard of as well
3: a piece of me is gone I don't know what else to say.
4: You don't need to explain yourself. It's okay to hurt. It's okay. I don't... I would never take that from you.
3: That's all I got for you right now.
4: Jules.
1: And she steps closer and kind of reaches out towards your right arm, towards the necrotic, darkened flesh.
4: What happened?
3: I think Jules winces as she reaches out. And then he doesn't respond with words. He reaches out with that hand, seeing if Dance will grab it. She
1: does not stop looking directly into your eyes as she reaches
4: out and takes your hand.
3: He gives a little squeeze, turns his head to look off in the distance.
4: Your your people will need you too. I had thought Perhaps if we were to bring you to the House of Convalescence on the Citadel, we could maybe fight Serrano, maybe save you, but...
3: Don't be mistaken. I'm not going anywhere.
4: Good. My... The victims in Los Cavalanes. They have no freedom to leave. You saw the guard as we left the city. Every gate watched. Should those with Serano try to leave... The Tresna's soldiers will take them. There is so much, too much to do. We have to save this child. We have to save you and Ramin. But there's so much hurt.
3: There won't be when we succeed. And we will. We will.
4: I think she just
1: smiles and maybe just lightly under her breath. Maybe you don't even hear it. She just says, there you are. And...
3: No, I think he hears it. <laughs> oh, shit. I think he hears it. And oh, gives, shit. He, he just gives another little another little squeeze.
1: God, they're so in love. And now we'll pan away to Crispin Dubois, about to drink his little tea. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about this. Tell me about Augury.
0: So, um, we've talked a little bit about how the Augury spell works. I can't really imagine you using it as the text is written. Basically, you ask about a course of action that you plan to take within the next 30 minutes. I'm seeing that as just, if I continue in this direction, you know what I mean? Yes. You ask this of an otherworldly entity... And you are supposed to be able to get four four possible omens. Wheel for good results. Woe for bad results. Wheel and woe for both good and bad results. Or nothing. For results that aren't especially good or bad. So maybe not always super helpful. I'm guessing that you'll think of something else. Something more fun.
1: I'll give it a shot. So for one thing.
0: Okay. So Crispin finally finishes his, his tea and takes it in two hands, knocks it back real quick, and then when the cup is empty, he places it, cup end down on the ground, holds it there with both hands for a moment, speaks one last part of the spell, and then turns the cup over to read the tea leaves.
1: I think... It matters a lot to be specific with this kind of magic so I'm going to ask you Crispin what does success mean to you right now it could mean avoiding combat it could mean accomplishing a specific goal or reaching striving towards that specific goal because I'm going to answer based on that specific question that you, you have in your heart right now
0: Success means accomplishing the goal of finding Miskin while achieving some form of safety. We've already had a party death, and that's what Crispin is hoping to avoid, another death.
1: Safety. Okay you wait just a moment you wait and just around the edge of the cup you hear this like as you see like a pebble against the edge of the cup begins to rumble shake bouncing off of it and you feel it beneath your feet shaking the ground shaking Almost violently. Somewhere above you in the clear skies, you hear a crack of thunder. In Jules, you experience none of this. As the thundercrack sounds above you, you take it as a sign to move the cup.
0: Yeah. Um, Crispin's going to flip the cup
1: wheel and woe. you almost as you lift it the vibrations in the ground seem to slush, turn the tea leaves forming
0: We can do it We can and
1: we're gonna pan away from that back to the city back to the Salazar estate to a secret revolutionary uh I guess barracks slash bunker beneath it to a meeting with revolutionary leader Paloma, who has just put forth the very intriguing question of how are we going to overthrow the Tresena? And uh, if I remember right, Blanche, you had a pretty uh, <laughs> violent response to that question.
0: Yeah. So Blanche is just in the beginning of taking a, a puff on the cigar, and she coughs it out. <laughs> Damn, this is gonna take me a second. Maybe two, two or three tries. Overthrow the. W- no, that's not it at all.
3: I liked it. That sounded fine. Overthrow the what? That's not it at all. that, that sounds <laughs> that sounds good to me. It sounds very much like the first time you came in. All so right.
1: I just looked at Steven's computer a moment ago. And he just had Google image results for Marge Simpson. <laughs> yeah, it's my, yeah. <laughs> just sexy Marge Simpson pictures. There is, and... <laughs> there is one
0: sexy Marge Simpson picture. I'll give you that in the top
1: right-hand Ooh, screen. Oh, sexy
3: Marge Simpson. Oh, I love it. That's maybe it the one so I've been much. looking at the most.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Paloma notes this and just nods towards you, kind of smiling, blowing out of smoke. Let me get this voice again. Relax. The revolution will handle the long game. The Gemstone Conqueror wasn't built in a day, but
2: with Sereno swiftly killing our chances to fight back against the hill, we need to make a move. Look, I don't really know you lot. I've heard good
1: things about Jules LaRoche, but I don't see him here. So why don't you tell me about yourselves? Start with you. Ben points to you, Blanche. Wow. Take a sip of water. <laughs> You don't have sweats. to narrate my water. <laughs> to, <laughs> to dabs her forehead with a handkerchief. Oh, oh boy. Oh, what a question.
0: Well, I really just, just showed up here. I, 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 don't know much of this Jules LaRoche myself. I'm, I'm here for my student to protect my tadpole,
2: Jean Franklin. Uh, hello. Uh, <clears throat> I am Jean Franklin Montelio. Lord of House Fontalia, future heir of the Nine Pools and bearer of the Band of the Golden Bear. I think I got that right. In this here is Master Defense, Blanche Trudeau. He does that every time. It's important. Titles are important. We all need titles. <laughs> well, well, Jean,
0: maybe, maybe you can explain to both of us, as she gestures to herself and Paloma,
2: how we got here. Okay. Or- Dresden can explain it.
3: <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: Damn it! <laughs> Look, Jules roast, the one you just mentioned, uh, he's dying of Serena. We need to stop Serena, we were told by Dance Macabre, Gabriel Cortez, who might have a thing with him, we're not really sure yet, but anyway, we've been told that you are to help us. So, here you are asking us to help you. What can you do for us? I could sense it, by the way. They were... <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally into each other.
2: Sir, that's not, not appropriate. I. Yeah.
0: I've seen those looks
1: before.
2: Dresden, introduce yourself.
1: <laughs> Everyone looks at you, Dresden. <laughs> so far, Paloma does not look impressed.
3: <laughs> I'm here on behalf of Jules. He's my best friend. My brother. Now that's promising.
1: All right, and uh. Sam, I know you. And Rummy just kind of waves. He doesn't need to be here. <laughs> um,
3: Jules trusts every single one of us. All right,
1: all right, yeah. Then we can talk. Let me rephrase my earlier comment. I don't exactly want a lot of you to overthrow the Tresna. More accurately, I want you to disarm them. I want to split them off from their two greatest weapons. Cerro and Morphil Ironworks. And I think both of these can be accomplished in one swing. I'm listening. Disarm is a language I speak. Good. Good. We have some common ground. Now, what comes up next is, well, it's very secretive. So I want you to think it through. You want to step away? Now's the time to step away. You want to step forward?
3: We're all here.
1: Itsman Del Prado. Heard the name? Tell me. CEO of Marfell Ironworks. A big deal, but not well known. So let's get down to it. Tomorrow night, in celebration of the start of the Night of the Remembered, Marfell Ironworks is hosting a dinner party at the manor of CEO Itzman Del Prado. Itzman's a character of interest to the revolution as many believe his enigmatic ways and lack of public appearances is a result of the Tresna holding him and his company hostage he's a weapon a shield he is the pillar of their power the works make this city and Itzman owns the works but who owns Itzman? what makes you think it's them and not him? to be honest just speculation I, I don't really know no one really knows. These are serious
3: accusations. You better be damn sure you're right.
1: I can tell you this. The Tresna are bad. Criminals. Oppressive monsters. Perhaps we're just wishfully thinking that it means one of us. The fact that he hasn't made a statement, any public statement in ages, seems to point to that. But we don't know. Everything's a risk. And makes it worse that reaching him is nearly impossible. He lives in the hill, never leaves the hill, and Marvel's patented guardian armors heavily patrol every inch of that place. You don't get in easy. The way I see it, there's three main ways you might find a way in. I was just about to ask. I did my homework. Now, there's the simple method. You could brute force your way past the armored guard. Get into the party somehow without attracting attention. Past the staff, the guests, the LaRoche Guard... Yeah, that's right. They're rumored to be a real force of LaRoche men on world. We haven't seen hide nor hair of them in the city, so we assume they're all employed in the hill in secret.
3: La Roche Guards are my specialty.
1: <laughs> hey, better and better. Also, best not forget that Martha's pet luminary will be in attendance as well. The mighty pig man. Not someone you can fuck with. Now it may be possible to go in without assistance sword swinging, magic blazing, all that, but I would not recommend it. So there are other options. Problem is, I wouldn't recommend them either. First, there's Serapio. He has connections to the Tresena. He may be able to help get some people in his staff or entertainment, especially if they're not openly connected to the revolution. People like you. Serapio, I believe, despises the Tresena as much as we do. Maybe more. But our methods differ greatly, and we do not see eye to eye. His story is, is complicated. He's been a citizen of Los Cavallanes since he was a child. Him and his mother, Rosa, they came from nowhere, like most of us. But they were good people. I knew Serapio as a boy. He'd run around the old city all day, helping where he could. You might know Gabriela Cortez, Dance Macabre. Her and Serapio were inseparable as children. But Serapio changed after Rosa died. Vanished for a while. Gained power, connections. He took over the Rosas estate in his mother's name. He near openly challenges the Tresna, yet they still fund him. He is a dangerous, dangerous egotist. But his hatred for the hill is legendary amongst the residents of the old city. He might be the best ally we have going forward, but he absolutely cannot be trusted. I think Rami might actually speak up.
4: I'm sorry, but I do still require the Helix... Helix Cactus Petals? It's, it's a medicine to help people sleep. To help hold off on on, on the the killing effects of Sereno if we can work with Serapio maybe we can work those into the deal the victims could really use that medicine
0: the one time I saw and spoke with Serapio I get the impression he'd be one to stab us in the back
1: I like this, because canonically, you weren't there when Serapio was there, so I just like think that you, like... Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 this is great. You literally, when you're walking in, Serapio was walking out, and you probably had, like, this really brief I- exchange now. Oh, canonically, oh, okay. that, that happened. That happened now.
0: All right, all right. He was a
1: dick. He was an asshole.
0: <laughs> I could smell it on
1: him. You could smell, smell the ro- right in the smell of roses.
0: He like- <laughs> smells like someone who would stab you in
1: the back.
3: <laughs> well, that just means that we have to stab him first.
1: There's one other option, if you're interested. Though it's one I might be less sure of. Our initial plan to get in was to win Hogfight. The Mighty Pigman offered to bring any victors of Hogfight as guests. Likely against the wishes of Marvel actually. This is why Marvel did so much to keep Dance from competing. We suspect they targeted Dance and her allies with Serenot and we know they've been using their influence on the Crystal Network to threaten off any interested luminaries that may have joined her side. You may be able to talk or charm the pigman into taking you as guests. I'm sure he still has such an open invite. Now, during the days he is impossible to speak to, his schedule is an near an endless dump of promotional spectacles, important meetings, yada yada, but we have a plant in his home staff. His home gym in Fiesta Town is where he retires most nights and I can get you in. We don't we don't want to stand Pigman. He's reported to be a true luminary, kind and just, great with kids, all that. Yet he is a staunch ally of Marfil Ironworks and of the Tresena. You could be faking the whole luminary bit, seems likely. And if that's the case, and you announce yourselves as enemies to the Tresena, Pigman may very well tear you to pieces. <laughs> don't lose sight of the fact that he is one of the strongest living humanoids out there. He'll rip you apart like paper. I think Jean Franklin actually speaks up here.
2: I want it to I, I don't think he's as bad as they say. I think he is the real deal. I, I um, <clears throat> he seems all right.
0: I, I, I'd imagine that somebody so powerful, with so few to relate to, might get. Uh, she adjusts her position, <gasps> sticks her hip out a little. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Might get kind of lonely.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> sir! No, sir, sir. He's... <clears throat> the mighty pig man is a Lumen. He's one of the top Lumen. I think he's number three. He, you, can, you can't simply try to... Uh, master! Boy, sir, please! I, I, I no,
0: know I, how to speak
2: to a warrior. <laughs> Ugh, gross! He steps away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where? Where could one... Run into the pig man,
1: Paloma. It's gotta be home. You can go tonight. I can get you in. Like I said, I don't know if you want to trust him. This. But it's one of those three options, it's all I can
2: figure out. So. It's up to you now.
0: I'm going to need one thing.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> sir, please, sir. Don't say it.
3: A bottle of wine. No! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god. Here here I thought we had Jules and dance <laughs> oh going god. strong and now suddenly we got Blanche and Pigman. Holy shit. Wild. Let's do it. Wild. Um I'm gonna
0: kiss Pigman tonight.
1: I want to <laughs> Right on the snout. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> okay. I wanna make this I wanna make sure this is, this is this is agreed. Are we in agreement that Pigman is the route you wanna take?
3: That seems like the safest option. Okay. And the most dangerous, but it's like yeah, the, simultaneously the, the, the safest and least yeah. safest option. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I'm I not. I, I'm
0: not super keen on Serapio. No. And fighting to get in doesn't sound like a that is super great idea either. That is
3: not smart at no. all. Yeah. That sounds like, like that. That was that was a no immediately. Yeah, that's like the GTA approach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's amazing.
1: Amazing. All right.
2: So we're in agreement then. That's, uh, wow. I didn't think this would work. (laughs) I.
3: You still haven't told us what you're going to give us.
1: You'll get what you want from helping us. Sereno. I told you they're weaponizing it. They're using it directly on revolutionaries. They're using it
2: directly on anyone that challenges them. It's all connected in Itzman. No matter what side he's on. He'll know something. You might not even have to get
1: to Itzmin himself. You might have a chance to explore the manor, read some documents, anything. We just need information. We We need need to know the source. We
3: need the cure.
1: Dresden, I think as you say that, something comes flashing back to you from your memory. I think this idea of, of the cure, now you're learning more about the situation here. Pieces start connecting into place. When Cirilla first received that message, there was a line in it about how the what was called a placatacolo
3: I don't know. You made up the word. That was
1: the section <laughs> from the book. <laughs> the uh, this 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 being was referenced, and it noted that preserving Sereno was more important than seeing the job done. So it was instructed to flee if injured enough. The implication being that if you were to kill this thing. Find it and kill it. Its curse would die with it. This information is unique to you, but I think it all kind of flashes forward and you kind of hit that realization now.
3: I think as this happens and he leaves that flash, his eyes kind of flicker a little bit.
4: Dresden, are you okay?
3: Yeah, we'll do it. Good.
1: Then... You are now unofficial revolutionaries of San Setian City. Congratulations, you have free access to anything you want down here. I will say, I don't know what's going to go down tonight, but it might be dangerous and y'all look pretty tired. Tristan, you're actually on the edge of exhaustion. Uh, I mean, like, taking exhaustion yeah. points because it, you've been awake since before the alley fight. Can you fucking believe it?
3: <laughs> Do you have extra bets here? Plenty.
1: Take my own. Wink.
3: I think I will.
1: Oh no, it's everywhere <laughs> Love is in the air tonight in Fancy pet Studios <laughs> Holy shit Hey,
3: guess what? You gotta flirt with all
1: of us <laughs> I, just... I already flirted with you once today You only get one You only get one <laughs>
2: You only get one
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah, we need sleep before we do this Alright
1: Rest here When the time comes, I'll speak to our plant We'll set it all up all you need to do is show up Pigman's villa, his private gym estate. We'll get you in. After that, it's on you.
0: Oh boy! I suddenly realized I don't know how to flirt.
1: <laughs> What's your charisma? Oh, um, yeah, oh that's a good. Oh no,
0: yeah, it's it's uh, it's Uh-oh. low. It's low. Okay, good, Uh-oh. good, great.
1: This is gonna be. This is gonna be. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, start uh, setting up your your uh, third. Um, backup character if you will <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh no that's right you gotta go alone yeah he's gonna know something's up Are you? if you don't go alone you we're gotta go really, alone we're really going for this
1: this, this is wild we're hey, really man. doing
3: this plan it's the honeypot
1: fuck yeah well, No, I'm into it this is great this is content baby <laughs> yeah it's gonna be excellent <laughs> holy shit anything else you guys wanna ask um, Paloma knows a lot about the city revolution stuff you wanna know about feel free now
2: where can I get some breakfast?
1: <laughs> I, you know what, I mean, I think we'll lie, like, food will be supplied to you because you're, you're super cool and you're helping out, and that's great, and we love you. Perfect. And you're handsome.
3: I know.
0: <laughs> this… this plant of yours, what does he know about the pig man?
1: Well, we've gathered, not a lot. Pig man comes home at the end of the day, trains fervently in the gym. Passes out exhausted, usually right in the middle of the ring. Almost never retires to his actual bedroom, and then wakes up the next morning, does it again. He, He's a machine.
0: No family, friends, social interaction?
1: Oh, no one knows about the pig man. Marvel's made damn sure of it. No, his whole past obscured. But it's a big thing with luminaries, like Sturge Man. The more interesting or mysterious your past, the bigger you get. Hey, that's why Jules and Zeb... Sorry. That's why they... Part of why they got so big, I mean, the the past's they interesting.
0: Do we at least know if he likes red or white?
1: Oh, white, <laughs> white,
0: <laughs> oh, let's let's see what okay. you.
1: he's honestly more of a tequila guy, but
0: well, how about like a like a chardonnay?
1: He's not so highbrow, but
0: well, I mean, I want to bring something I like too. He likes to drink,
1: he'll drink anything, we know that he's a drinker.
0: Then I'll need your finest bottle of Chardonnay.
1: It ain't great, but yeah, I'll give it. <laughs> it to you.
0: <laughs> the resistance—how how powerful is your is your force?
1: Not very. We can't match them. I mentioned the armored Guard, right? In those things, the guardian armors—they make magical suits, powerful, autonomous, and working for Marfil, working for the Tresina hell if they wanted to march down the city with those things they'd raise us in an hour
0: and and there are no known uh, weaknesses for these these walking suits of armor
1: Chia smiles blows out cigar if there are its Mendelpata will know about it. he designed them.
0: all right well sounds like uh, we won't get much more until we get in there
3: all right. Any so, questions, Dresden? Nope.
1: So this group is ready to retire for now, take a long rest, and then continue their investigation by <laughs> seducing the mighty pig man.
3: See, what you need to do is just break <laughs> into his house, scatter a bunch of roses everywhere, and be waiting for him on the bed when he gets home. Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I knew this is what I was going to do. This is the greatest episode of Fanny's Pants ever.
1: <laughs> Wild. Oh, no, that's coming. That's when we actually do this wild okay okay um jean franklin is perma blushing super flustered cannot deal with this this is this is the new direction things have taken i also should mention while jean franklin is now uh, canonically store narratively jules sidekick things have gotten real murky because jean franklin is now by sheet and mechanical terms blanche's sidekick yeah. he is now on your sheet Ramin Rasool is now he's, your sidekick yeah
3: John Franklin is like sidekick in spirit
1: <clears throat> yes well, yeah I mean yeah.
0: Re- regardless to whose you know story sidekick he is I'll be controlling him in battle yep. so for, for yes. from that perspective he's Steven's sidekick there right. are mechanical sidekicks
1: right. and there's narrative sidekicks narrative sidekick is capitalized est and that's how we tell it apart in speech mm-hmm. good now it's not confusing anymore
0: now it's
3: not confusing <laughs> at all Oh, this right. feels so weird to see Ramin's sheet. Oh, man. Feels like Look at how familiar this sheet is. I'm <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to take a minute to get yeah. used to. We'll get you yeah. used to it. I,
3: I feel like I'm peering behind the DM curtain here.
1: I also feel bad because you have two new sidekick sheets to get used to. And that's my transition back to the desert. Oh, God. Because yes. I've also added Dance Macabre to Jules LaRoche's side, to get our sidekick sheet. Um, so, a so just... bit of a learning curve. But so, you're
3: saying I can make both jewels and dance do whatever i wants to. In combat!
1: In <laughs> combat! You want to go make out vest? Sure, but Crispin dies. What? Because you be alone! <laughs> I don't care how many dark characters you can turn into.
3: Huh? Never mind. We're getting saucy in here. Hey,
1: guess what? The sun sinks low on the edges of the desert. As it's sort of falling behind the mountains. There's still daylight for now, but it's almost up. Almost gone. Sereno, that creeping illness. You can feel it on your spine, Jules. Coming to grip you, claim you, tear you back. But not yet. Not quite yet. As you move, a village begins to resolve itself before you. Through the swirling dust of the windy plain you see a small village, small wooden adobe buildings maybe 20 or so total very similar to Manzanares where you first landed, you know you're looking at Milpazul and as you take this in you begin to hear the screams (laughs) sounds like wood smashing, people a number of people screaming out Somewhere ahead. What do you do? Quick,
0: Jules. Crispin starts to run
3: towards the village. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) Jules is going to die. Hey, Dance is fresh. Yeah. Fuck. Quick, Jules. Don't die. I have no bardic inspiration. I have, like, nothing.
1: Dance is already running.
3: I mean okay that was player jeremy talking jules oh, is of course gonna run oh, I,
1: we all know jules, jules is, is going of course in. gonna run yeah it's scary you know as you run you start to take stock to the situation start mentioned that there were a number of bounty hunters that were going to be waiting outside the town building up their forces until going in to attack the the creature the demon that's been slaughtering them in the desert some great winged beast It makes you think of something Now you hear battle inside. You see tracks just outside town. Looks like a large collection of them. Maybe like old spots where like a a, a small camp was set up, but now abandoned as these tracks have charged in deeper. The attack has begun.
3: Before, Before we go any further, can I cast Bless?
1: Hell yeah, you can.
3: All right. You can bless up to three creatures of your choice within range whenever a target makes an attack roll or saving throw before the spell ends the target can roll a d4 and add the number rolled to the attack or the save
1: okay hell yeah all of you are blessed uh magical light overtakes you as you begin to run you feel a little more invigorated so you pushing forward quickly, pushing into the town itself, following these tracks, following these screams that go louder and louder. You begin to hear sounds of metal clashing on metal, more wood breaking, and you see the building it's all coming from. There's a large pub, the biggest building in the town. You see a a sign dangling in front of it that's simply labeled as uh, the Milpazul Puckeria. You see a number of people are standing outside, watching towards windows and sorts saloon doors with horrified looks. And as they see you, they begin to scatter out of your way. Just more hunters. There's more of them. Just do your business and go, please. We have nothing to do with your war. Just yelling out towards you. And the way is clear. Uh, do you want to head into the bar?
0: Well, what do you What do you mean? What's going on in there?
1: <laughs> hunters from outside of town. They've come in. They started attacking this this thing that's been living in the, the bar. We've been living it alone, but uh, they, they're tearing the whole place apart. They're dying in there. And you hear like a and they know they're like monsters. Beastly roar from
0: inside. Can we see anything inside? You said the saloon doors? Uh, yeah. You want know, to
1: push them open. You can take a look in.
0: I can't look over or under them?
1: I mean, if you look under, you're just gonna see like a bunch of feet. Uh, in front of you, see like uh, maybe like three sets, maybe four sets of feet uh, close cool. by, one body lying not far from the the entrance. And then, like, beyond that, it's hard to make out.
0: All right. How about like a perception check?
1: I can get a perception check. Fine. Fine.
0: Like, I'm just trying to make sure we're not going to run in and they're fighting like a stray dog or something. <laughs> 14.
1: Uh, 14, you see feet. Um, you're looking down and past the feet. You catch this glimpse of like a number of other figures are sort of up towards the front, like like there's a bar maybe 50 to 60 feet away from like where the door is. And it's like kind of an open straight room up, up until that point. So a number of figures are moving in, almost like standing back, and then beyond them, at the foot of the bar, you see like four figures. And you catch a moment as something that you can't quite make out, something that seems to be standing on the bar, blasts fire down and all of them just are taken by smoke screens and that's what you make out
0: alright I'll bite okay stay behind me and Crispin grabs his club in one hand and opens the door with the
4: other and Dance looks to you Jules stay behind me too
1: and she opens the other door fists ready to go taking a combat stance
3: Jules comes up next to Dance (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's, there's only two doors.
1: You look in. There's <laughs> only two doors. You try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're peeking in, and you see that right now where the bar where the fire just hit the floor, you can barely make out, like, the blackened remains of some bodies, and you see, like, thick smoke filling the air around that spot, covering the bar, but you see there's something large in the smoke something pushing it away in Gus. You hear like another scream, as something gets cut down from inside. You see there's four rough-looking figures in dark mercenary leathers about halfway across the room towards that bar. Um, Weapons are drawn. They are facing the smoke. They are not taking any stock of you. And you see that smoke begins to clear. The flames flickering down from the blackened bodies of the four figures that were now lying just below that bar and standing atop it. A figure begins to resolve itself. You see great wings spread out, a dark grin and a monstrous face, a hulking body covered in gleaming brass scales. Oh, shit. You see Arhalon. Oh, shit. And we'll call it there.
3: Fantasy Pants Story Hour with your humble host, David Monroe. (laughs) It's
1: very sexy, very sexy. All right, so I did some digging around at home, and I found it. (laughs) I found it! So without further ado, Fantasy Pants presents Fantasy Pants Story Hour, I guess. (laughs) It's a thing. A dramatic reading of evil giant mutant spiders that try to take over the world by... 10-year-old David Monroe.
3: So brew up your favorite cup of tea, <laughs> sit back in a nice Shea lounge,
1: <laughs> and enjoy this excerpt from chapter five. That's showbiz! <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> just at the moment. Uh, Demi, my childhood nickname, and a bunch of his friends, uh, including Stephen, in fact, uh, Mr. Stephen Rodriguez, are caught between two giant space tarantulas in Demi's house. Now, Demi has just charged at one of them and bounced off of its head, uh, in quotes, that, that ha- that's why I said, to reach an incredibly wide, convenient vent that I guess was just kind of in my house. I climbed all the way outside, found a big rock, and climbed back into the vent uh, with the rock before the spiders had a chance to attack my friends. And now, returning to the scene, we read. Now's my chance, Demi whispered to himself. A cruel smile grew over Demi's face. It's showtime, he said to himself. (laughs) Lights, Demi said, and he turned on his flashlight and shined it on the spider's head. Camera, he said. I did this in the podcast. (laughs) Camera, he said, making a small scope with his fingers.
2: And action.
1: Demi dropped the rock and it hit the spider's head with a crack. The spider fell onto the ground, dead. Demi jumped out of the vent and landed on the spider's gut, squished under his feet. That's not a sentence. That was great, but I forgot to turn the camera on. (laughs) We'll just have to play it again, (laughs) Demi said, looking down at the dead spider, then looked up at the live one. His eyes narrowed and his smile grew. Catch, he said, picking up the rock off the ground and throwing it to Steven. Spider killing, take two, he said, as Steven threw the (laughs) rock, it's wrong through, it's T-H-O-R-U-G-H, threw the rock at the spider and killed it. (laughs) Cut and print. (laughs) That it doesn't... That's nothing. It's nothing.
4: It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> cut and... <laughs> cut um,
1: oh, That's gonna cut be... and print, Demi choked. The four boys ran off before they could get attacked by any more spiders. Nice job back there, Craig said to Demi. That's showbiz... <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the title of the chapter. Oh, fuck.
3: Pants people. Pants people.
1: Uh, I can't.
3: Tell us, how many of you would like to see us make uh. some merch that says, it's biz? Cut and print. Cut and print. <laughs> Let us know. Maybe we'll make it happen. (laughs) This has been Fantasy Pants
1: Reading Hour. I forgot the fucking segment title. Have a good night. Have a good night. (laughs)
3: Enjoy.